Pages, combos, we gon' show you how the world goes. Pages, combos, we gon' show you how the world goes. Pages, combos, we gon' show you how the world goes. Take a look at the world we living in, it's falling apart. Uh-huh. Quick to class, muscle and guns, but don't show hard. Uh-huh. Time to spark a conversation, let that be a lesson. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to AG's Convos. It's me, AG, back in the GB Entertainment Studio with Mr. Kenny Smith on the other side. Sorry, buddy, but uh, it's a busy day today. We can't uh, we can't always be in the same room, but he is over there on the ones and twos engineering the song, the uh, show for the day. But we got another special episode every week. I'm trying to make it interesting. Uh, this is actually going to be, yes, a Links Not Chains episode, but it's a little different. And you're going to find out why. And I've been saying it for a long time that Links Not Chains has to be bigger than what we thought it was when we first started. And we started it off with this concept of me and Alonzo doing our thing on the uh, prison reform side of the business. But Now that it is an organization, we got to expand beyond the prisons. We got to expand to the outside of the prisons and we got to get the ladies involved. So today you get to meet the other ladies. You guys met Janice. You met Denise, who's also over there doing her thing, taking notes, probably. But now you get to meet the ladies that are going to be executing to some extent or at least supporting the execution of Links Not Chains. We have three participants today. First and foremost, we got Miss Shalana Davis. Can you say hi to the crowd for me, please? Hello, everyone. There's Shalana. We also have Miss Alicia Reynolds. Can you say hello to the people, Alicia? Hello, people. There we go. And last but certainly not least, we have uh, Mrs. So I say Kristen, Kristen Farmer Kane. Does that work? Kristen Kane. All right. Well, a lot of people know you as Kristen Farmer. I I want people to know, you know, who we're talking about. These are some highly accomplished individuals. I'm not giving their bios. I'm going to let them do that, and then we'll tell you what they're talking about. So first, Shalana, do you mind uh, telling us a little bit about you? Oh, how much time do I have? You got about as much time. (laughs) Uh, Well, first, I'm a Cleveland native. Um, I graduated from a CMSD school. and ironically, I now I'm an educator, but in my path through education, I lived in Washington, D.C., uh, serviced the federal government for many years, mm-hmm. came to Cleveland, uh, returned back to my roots in community development, worked with a number of organizations, helped to start a nonprofit organization called National Congress of Black Women, uh, and I also started my own organization called Pharaoh's Daughters 
And I'm I'm just here to be a service to the community. Yes, you are. You're you're an old friend of mine, not because you're old, but because we go way, way back in the day. So I really appreciate having you on board and having you participate in this process. Uh, next, Miss Alicia Reynolds, you want to introduce yourself? I'm Alicia Reynolds. I live in Maple Heights. I'm from Cleveland. I went to school with Arthur at South High School. Mm-hmm. Shalana was there too. Okay. <laughs> and now I'm trying to make an organization for men and women and boys and girls called Coaches. Mm-hmm. And I'm also partnering with Arthur with Links Not Chains mm-hmm. and AV. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows AV by now. We talk about that every <laughs> pretty often. And that's it. That's right. But you are also the uh, the sponsor for the Expressions of Love event. Yes. You got to give yourself credit yes. for that. One yes. round of applause, please. That uh, that was a great event we did back in August of last year. Um, went over very well had quite a few participants it was a it was a great interview uh, and i really appreciated that and so did a lot of my listeners so thank you for that contribution as well now miss Kristen kane would you please yes so i am also a cleveland native um and i am a cmsd graduate too i graduated from collinwood high school um i left and went to kent state university study Uh, communications and sociology and at the same time that's when I started to get involved in nonprofit. I worked as an AmeriCorps member in Portage County but then I came back to Cleveland to serve my community. Worked at a community development corporation, University Circle Incorporated. While I was there I became the founder of Birth and Beautiful Communities uh, which is an organization dedicated to the perinatal support of pregnant women and postpartum women. And I have since retired from Birth and Beautiful Communities, but I set out on a journey around supporting people and their journeys around building a nonprofit organization. So I do provide coaching services and consulting. Um, I wrote a book called Million Dollar Mission. Uh, it's a very quick guide for anybody who is looking to start a nonprofit organization to write grants and to uh, do a lot of fundraising support for that organization. Um, I also do film production. I um, produce a film, a documentary specifically uh, called Survive and Thrive around um, infant mortality, but more so around programming and uh, business that we have in our family called Because I'm Busy. Um, and then my heart of hearts, though, is working with women. And um, I have another platform called Women Are Revolutionary, which is around aspiring women and young girls. And uh, we have an event coming up on February 10th, awesome. uh, which is a virtual event. And the topic is um, what's the best that can happen? Because uh, most of the times we always talk about what's the, worst, the worst that can right? happen or worst coming to worst. And this is about changing that narrative and really talking about what are the great, good positive things that is happening in our life and how do we move from where we are to where we want to be and you only get there by thinking about what's the best that can happen i love Um, it thanks for having me here do you hear the the unity around this message Mm -hmm. yes there's a lot of activity going on here i uh, i appreciate plus you're married to Corey Kane. And I am married to Corey Kane. And everybody know Corey because <laughs> he's been uh he's been on a few episodes of mine. He's his own enterprise and uh it's it's amazing what you two are 
are doing together. So thanks again. I appreciate that. So it's pretty obvious where the motivation for this conversation comes from, right? I think we made it pretty clear in that little introduction. Um, as I mentioned, uh, Links Not Chains, now as an organization, has to be holistic in its approach to serving the community. It can't be just for one facet of our population. It started because of the prison population, but there's people affiliated with that population, the mothers, the daughters, the children, that need to be educated, that need to be informed, that need to be supported in that process. So that's what you guys are going to help me figure out. What's, what's important, what's really needed, what hasn't been done yet, that need to be done yet. Because I will say firsthand, I know what I know and I know what I don't. And what I don't know is how this nonprofit community can be built around some of these other missions. So the only way for me to get us to where I want us to be, I have to get the people involved that know what they're doing. And there's quite a few in this room. So, you know, I want to start this conversation off talking about, you know, the support system around the people that are struggling. As we all know, help starts at home. Education starts at home. Nutrition starts at home. And as you have acknowledged already, there's a lot of issues in the home that are contributing to the individuals in the prison system. So, you know, you guys can feel free to speak freely. We're not going to make this too formal. But I do want to know, you know, when we look at the homebody, especially in our community, and I don't necessarily mean the black community, I mean the inner city community, because I think that's one of the major contributors to the prison population. What do you see as elements of that environment that are contributing to the bigger problems in our society? I, I'm going to jump in and say we, we probably should start with having some respect for where we live. Mm -hmm. And um, what does that mean, right? Mm -hmm. um, so outside the home, if there's blight that we can change, then we need to be a part of the change. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, st uh, studies say that if a community is run down, there are abandoned homes, then it's going to be a major contributor to crime, right? Mm -hmm. So despite what might be going on, I may be a law-abiding law citizen helping my family navigate the inner city. Um, but when we leave out our door, we are presented with a different environment. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very difficult to have a positive mindset when on my way to my next destination, I'm walking on a sidewalk that is not taken care of. Next door to me is an abandoned home where someone may have been a victim of a crime, mm -hmm. people down the street loitering. Uh, so I, I th one of the major things that I'm working on in my particular community is improving the look of the neighborhood. Mm. The aesthetics. Yeah, but 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 I mean not not to, not, not just to, aesthetics. No, not but, to dismiss what's behind the aesthetics. But to your point, there's gotta be some some visual curb appeal to the inner city. And forget the people driving through it. To your I mean, we're talking about the people that live in it. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I felt like my home was a safe place because my mother made an effort to make sure we always felt safe at home. But, you know, unless I was surrounded by the right people, you get too far away from home and now you're in a danger zone, right? So it wasn't so much a matter of what was happening around me, but, you know, this doesn't look like my 
living room or my bedroom. So it's like, all right, there's got to be other elements here that probably aren't wishing me well, you know. So I think just changing that guarded mindset will take some aesthetic curb appeal. Listen, we have a neighborhood cleanup. We had one over the summer. No one participated. Really? But one resident, right? Wow. And you... I mean, you. it takes a lot of gall to sit on your porch and watch someone else clean the debris from in front of your house. Your house, yeah. Your house. Right. So we, I mean, we. it starts with the basics sure. in some of these communities. And, and so that drives the question to me because I know my mother would never let me sit on the porch and watch somebody else clean our yard. There might be plenty of people, you know, out there doing it, but my father, who in my case wasn't there, and I think this plays into the bigger issue, you know, how many parents are really contributing to the participation of their children within their communities as opposed to just living in it. You know, my mother made it a point to make sure we cut the grass, our grass and our neighbors, rake the leaves, shovel the snow for our house and our neighbors, you know, especially the elderly ones. Um but you didn't see a lot of fathers in my community. You know, you saw a lot of mothers. And I think because of that, you saw a lot of boys fending for themselves. But there was a motherly element, at least in my case, that kind of kept us grounded. And I think that's a part of the process that we kind of got to get back to. I see a lot of younger mothers now, you know, and I don't see that that participation like we used to see it. So, you know, the, the next step... In that process of getting engaged and getting involved is who's pushing you out the door? Who's pushing these teenage boys or even these teenage girls out the door to clean up that neighborhood? Are the mothers there doing it? Do they have the proper support system, the proper motivation to do that? We lead by example. That's number one. I would say that I think that we have a a poor Um, self-identity within our communities. I think that we are extremely disconnected from our selves, our inner beings. And because of that, we don't have a high value on our selves as individuals. And so that then reflects in the physical manifestation of what our communities look like. The contribution we make. Yeah, you know, because if you don't value your property or where you live that speaks values that speaks volumes about how much you value yourself right because i am a reflection of my environment and so whatever is going on on the outside you can assure that's going on on the inside and so when we see chaos within our communities it's because we have chaos going on in our minds and within our hearts and that chaos that we see out in the streets is just a physical manifestation of what we thinking and we feeling. And mm-hmm. so before we started this um, show tonight, the, the ladies and I were here talking um, about just life and motherhood. And as mm-hmm. we said, and we all agree that babies are like the best, you know, right. you know, Alicia here has a new grandbaby, you know, and, we, and, and she was describing <laughs> how intelligent this baby boy is right and so everyone starts off that way but Mm -hmm. then adults come in and kind of strip away that value that we naturally have of ourselves when Mm -hmm. we are you know because we kind of told that 
we have to be poor. We we have this crazy condition and that we have to live in these circumstances or be this certain way. And mm. so um, we grow up with that sort of mentality. And then we like, after the fact, when crime has been committed or, or things have gone awry and we like, well, what happened? Well, it's like nobody is even being who they truly are because nobody even knows who they truly are. Right. <laughs> you know, so that has a lot to do with it, I think, in my opinion. And that's why somebody could have a goal to watch you pick up trash in front of their house because they don't have value of themselves and a poor self-identity. So they don't identify themselves with cleanliness or being deserving or worthy of living in a clean community. Yeah. I think one of the important factors is communication. You need to yeah. talk to the people in your neighborhood to say, this is why we need to clean up our neighborhood. Talk to the children and say, this is why I'm making you do this or I'm explaining to you how to do this and teaching you this. So once you communicate and explain, then yeah, the, the evidence comes with it, right? <laughs> so there's there's three elements to what you guys just said. There's the state of mind at birth, okay? There is the engagement within the home for the sake of the home, and there is the engagement from home to home for the sake of the community. Now, to my in my opinion, and to your point, if all three of those phases are addressed independently, then they should collectively create a better community. But there's, you know, there's a disconnect, obviously, somewhere. The disconnect is probably from home to home, you know, almost in 90 plus percent of the cases. I'm, I'm not speaking statistics. I'm just speaking perception and observations. Because in a lot of homes, you'll see some, some decent yards, which means there's probably a decent house. And then you'll see some nice gated yards, which means there's probably a much better kept house. So that means that to some extent, people are investing in themselves and in their families and in their, their own lifestyles. But they may not be invested in their neighbor. But in order to actually start that process, it starts at birth, right? You're, you're born with this concept of what you're entitled to, what's, what's available to you. And, you know, we had a conversation last week, and a lot of that value starts in the womb. It starts before the baby is even formed. Now, that's kind of your background. And I think both of you guys have spent a lot of time learning more about the connection between the womb and the infant and how that manifests into the individual that comes out on the other end. There are You, you started your, your career in this space as a doula, right? Correct. Okay. Now, I've heard that term a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what it means. <laughs> so can well, you explain? Yeah, it actually simply means a, a woman who serves, like in this most simple form. Um, but generally, it's used to describe an emotional support person for a woman who is pregnant, who's given birth, or who has uh, given birth and is in a postpartum period. Mm. Uh, so doulas generally are trained on pretty much every aspect of birth, but not in a medicalized way. And I, I say that loosely because sure. birth isn't necessarily medical because the baby is going to come right. regardless. <laughs> and it doesn't care where that mother is at the time or right. what's going on. <laughs> but um, doulas are trained to be able to provide emotional support, but they know 
um, a lot about the process of pregnancy and birth and the sort of uh, guidance to give mothers in order to even help the mother birth naturally. But the biggest thing is being able to lay out all the mother's options so that when she goes to give birth, that she isn't intimidated by the staff there to make choices that she doesn't want to make based mm. on her own um what she wants for her birth experience. Sure. Uh, and so, and then in the po- postpartum phase, more so is about providing support around breastfeeding and um, overnight care. So mamas and daddies can actually get some rest after, okay. <laughs> after the baby comes. Um, but yeah, that is what a doula does. Okay. So it, it goes deeper than just babysitting or um, birthing classes or, you know, those kind of things that we see on TV. Okay, so, and, and Shalana, I saw you smiling over there. You want to add anything yeah, to that? Yeah, uh, because I had a doula for my last birth experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm very specific about some of the um, my preferences when it came to my daughter being vaccinated or some of the things that they do um, in the delivery room that happens so quickly. A mother is, you know, we just... right very distracted the baby is snatched away and some things are happening so my doula was there to intervene because she knew what my wish what my wishes were yeah and it was a great great experience um i got a lot of support during my pregnancy i got reikis i got massages um even drum circles you know, oh, wow. so it was, but you know, that was my personal preference, Wait, you know, course. that's the that's point. Not, though, right? That's not for everyone, sure. but yeah, it, it was a great experience. So, yeah. and, and we're talking about reducing the stress during the birthing process. And we all have been basically informed that clinically, a lot of some of the um, um, disabilities that children are born with are developed either in the womb during the gestation process or even on the way out. You know, certain stressors that mothers undergo as they're giving birth can can alter the the stability of that baby. What's that look for? I mean, to to a degree. I mean, yeah. there are some things that can cause sort of like birth defects, but I, I think the biggest part of it is the sort of stress that a mother may be under Mm-hmm. during her pregnancy that can contribute to low birth weight. Okay. Like black babies are more likely to have low birth weight than any other ethnic group. But black women are more likely to be stressed during their pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And if you are experiencing high loads of stress, what they call an allostatic load, then that constricts your uterus. Mm-hmm which then constricts the baby from growing to its maximum weight, Mm. right? And so if we can conclude and understand that mothers can experience stress during pregnancy, then we have to be intelligent enough to know that this baby is then experiencing that stress. Mm. And so what could happen is even... When a mother is in the hospital, and this is a part of the, why the work that I was doing with Birth and Beautiful was around advocating a lot, even for the mother to go natural, if that's what her choice was, because, you know, then it's all of these things that maybe get introduced during a birthing process, such as like Pitocin, when they saying like, oh, well, you're not contracting fast enough. And it's like, well, 
the baby, and I kind of joke and say this, you know, all the time that, well, the baby is the only person that actually knows when it was conceived. (laughs) You know what I mean? The doctors speculate and say this is the estimated due date. The mother and daddy can say, okay, we made love around this time. But if we know the science behind pregnancy, it's like, the only person who actually knows is that baby, right? Yeah, because that baby it. only know when it was conceived. So you trying to rush uh, experience like birth, that's not going to fare well with the baby. So then they mm. give you Pitocin. And then they start to say, okay, well, the baby's heartbeat is rising. And so now we might have to do a C-section. But if you didn't give the mother Pitocin, then the baby wouldn't have went into distress. And then mm. you might not have went, you know, yeah. to a C-section. So it's a cascade, what they mm. call like this cascade of interventions. <clears throat> Um, that can occur. And um, these are very traumatic experiences for moms. And it's very traumatic experiences for the babies as well, too, because how you come into this world does sort of make a difference, which is why, to a degree, you elected to have drum circles and you wanted Reiki and yoga, right? Because you understood that you wanted to, uh, and I'm just assuming just from working with so many mothers over the year, that you wanted this to be a relaxed pregnancy experience for you and you didn't want your child coming into this world high on stress (laughs) already so we have these high stress levels from the moment we come into this earth side then that can continue throughout our lifetime it's like it kind of puts our stress level at this at this threshold or this higher place and then we normalize that level of stress throughout mm-hmm. our entire lives. Well, that's where you started. So, of course, that's normal right. when it's elevated to begin with. Right. And, you know, to tie this back into links, not chains, you know, in a lot of cases, as it relates to this particular, you know, experience or segment that we're dealing with, which is the inmate reentry, the prison population, some of those stressors could be complicating that woman's you know peace of mind long before the baby comes along you know you, you're 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 gotta you gotta deal with the fact that my man won't be there can't be there you know he won't meet his baby you know these are things that i'm sure chemically affect the development of that child especially when you got to deal with it over a nine-month period the bills are getting harder to pay because there's nobody there to help you my other kids are getting out of control because i can't move I mean, you talk about compounding the problem for the development, you know, just think of her mind state, you know, when she's dealing with some of these outside influences. So as I try to build programs around links, not chains that are meant to supplement these women's, you know, stress levels and their um, support systems, what do you guys find to be necessary that may not be available to them right now in this capacity as a support system for the people that can't be there? Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a lot. Yeah. I'm mean, sure where there's do we a begin? lot. I think we got to go back to self, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I can really only manage how I'm feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And if I'm able to reduce my stress level, maybe... This is about me healing from th- something that has happened maybe in my childhood. Mm. Or perhaps I need to educate myself on how I can manage certain things in a better way. So I think, you know, one of the first things women can do is to look inward. Okay. 
right? We talked about, we, we started off talking about the community, but, you know, like you said, like Kristen said, uh, this is about, you know, a reflection of how I feel within, mm-hmm. right? So we need to build programming around helping women be restored sure. into wholeness. And I know that's, that's kind of how coaches came about, right? Yes. You know, you, you weren't building coaches for the guy in jail. You were building coaches for the single mom and the woman on the street that's doing the best she can to, uh, to survive in her environment, regardless of who is or is not there. So as you think about the support system you need to make that work, what's missing right now? Uh, I think what's missing is unity mm-hmm. from other women, respect from other women. Um, like I have an event coming up on February 5th where all the women are coming together to empower each other. Empower one another, motivate one another. Don't downplay another woman. Don't judge the woman just because of what she has on or what she looks like. Get to know that woman first. She may need some help. You may have the tool that you that she needs to help her to bring her up, to mm-hmm. lift her up, to give her good spirits, to say I'm going to keep this baby, to say I'm going to get off drugs, to say I'm going to stay with my mom and help my mom or her mom could be dying. You don't know what the situation may be. Mm -hmm. So to have unity and to communicate, again, communicate is the big thing. So what I'm hearing is that this outside of how you feel about yourself, maybe you don't have that support system at home. Mm -hmm. But as a collection of women as you said women are revolutionary a lot of that revolution depends on you guys supporting each other through whatever process you're going through a new job a new baby a lost man a dead parent a dead child you never know we, we live in a very hostile environment and a lot of women are dealing with both internal and external stressors that affect their you know their personal perception so you're building programming. You're, you've got this event, uh, February 5th, that's coming up. That's meant to remind women that they're not alone, right? What is, what is the hopeful takeaway for a participant in that event? Outside of, okay, I'm not alone, but what else is there for me? What else is there? What, what else can come of this outside of me saying, well, there's two other chicks in the neighborhood that's also got deadbeat dads for soon-to-be baby daddies. You know what I mean? What 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 can they get from each other? Just to be able to get up. So you've been depressed this whole time, and you come to this event. Okay, I'm not alone. I can do this. I'm going to do this and get up and go do it. Don't be depressed anymore. That's basically whatever you're doing to bring you down, you come to this event to get up and to to do action. Take action. Right. That's it. And that's what I was hoping there was. There, there'd be some call to action for the people who are there. You yes. know, maybe a when partnership. I went, I went to an event, a woman's empowering, um, a woman's empowerment event in November. I'm I'm scared to take that step forward to step out. I have coaches, and I've been doing it. Yes, but. When it comes to this podcast, you should have saw her face on the way through. You're doing great. It's, it's a. I have to 
I can't tell you to do it if I'm not going to do it. Right. So I have to take that step forward and do it. Right. And so that's what I want everybody else to do. And that requires people to get uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. Well, that's that's what I do. <laughs> I make Thank you, you Arthur. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and the reality of it is, I, I've said it a million times and I'll say it for the rest of my life. If you're not willing to get uncomfortable, you're not able to grow. Because you can always live within the boundaries that are who you are. But if you want to become bigger and better than who you are, you got to step outside of that boundary. You got to expand that circle. So that's good. And, and you know, hopefully there might be some form of um, uh, buddy system that might come out of that. Because I think what I've seen in some of the events that I've put on uh, where you bring people together that have, you know, universal limitations and you introduce them to people that have exceeded those limitations but may have their own limitations, all of a sudden I become a sponsor for your weakness and you become a sponsor for mine. And we can kind of feed off of each other. Men do this pretty regularly. Um, They usually do it in smaller circles. It might not be as obvious. You know, you've got your buddy system, so to speak, your cigar guys or your poker players, poker nights, whatever it might happen to be. We're doing the same thing with just a little less, uh, what's the word? obvious about what we're doing as far as it relates to, you know, expressing a vulnerability or expressing a weakness. You guys seem to be a lot more comfortable saying, I'm not sure how to do this. Which one of y'all are willing to help me get there? And you guys are quick to raise your hand and say, I can help you with that. We don't see that a lot between men. So I think the whole idea behind Women Are Revolutionary kind of creates a platform for people to participate in that process. And an event like this is a good opportunity to make women feel revolutionary above and beyond their self-inflicted limitations. So hopefully you guys can find a way to merge your efforts and uh, put that out there. Yeah, I mean, Alicia, I love what you said too around, you know, taking action. You know, like, even if you feel depressed because I hear that a lot. I think that I see this push towards mental health, right? A lot more now on social media than I probably ever have before in the past. But, um, you know, as you said, like it start with self, like the, the answer to every problem you have is you. Mm -hmm. And I think that we don't understand that because we don't really, really want to take accountability and responsibility for how our lives look because then that requires us to look back at ourselves. And so there is this element of you can say that you are depressed, but depression really is just the expression of a poor self-identity. You, you, you feel in worthless you feeling like you don't deserve you feeling like you are hopeless you know and helpless and and it's a triad within psychology that is the hopeless helpless worthless sort of syndrome that you have but we actually aren't really taught unless you have parents that are like very intentional about and still in confidence in you and telling you that you're beautiful and that you could do anything in this world and your color doesn't matter and whatever you set your mind to, you could do, you might not have a healthy self-identity. And so then it's hard for you to take 
action because then you don't even know where to go or where to begin or, you know, whatever. And so that's that action part is very important because nobody can do this for you. It has to be you. And so I think that, you know, like how you said that you were inspired when you went to that other event. And one of the things that I often say is like when you see a person or a situation or or anything that inspires you at that moment that is the divinity in you saying to the divinity in them like oh, we see each other so I see that you doing this thing and I, it's great and so that has inspired has awakened the divinity in me to then do my thing whatever that thing is and that's how you help people I, I think that our definition of service is a little warped because we think that we got to go out here and like do this for people. But the only true way you can help somebody is by being a demonstration of it yourself. Mm -hmm. So that in that moment, how you saw that woman and she did her event, you like, man, that inspired you. The demonstration of what she did was like, okay, I'm going over here to do this. And then you about to pass it on to all of these other Hot women that's there mm -hmm. that's coming to your event. Mm -hmm. And that's how that works. You mean y'all come? <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll come, I'll come. you need some help. <laughs> yeah, yes, for real. Yeah. And I think that that's how we have that in my mind now. That's what service is because mm -hmm. I had a whole crowd twelve year career in nonprofit, and my whole thing was like, let me save everybody. Mm -hmm. You cannot do that. That's right. not how that works, mm -hmm. you know. Right. And so we end up you save everybody when you get to one because one's going to help. Not going to get the message from you. I might get it from you, right. yeah. and then it'll get to you eventually through. Denise, sorry, mm -hmm. the communication. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's the marketing lady. But, you yeah. know, I, and, and I think you're speaking exactly to what I think makes Links Not Chains different is that we're not trying to fix your problems. We're trying to build a community of solutions that you can reach out to to resolve problems yourself. Because these are internal struggles and they have to be internal solutions. You have to find it within yourself to not only observe that individual succeeding beyond whatever limitation you had, but to decide to make the same effort on your own behalf for the sake of your children, for the sake of your home, for the sake of your community, for your sake of your man who is locked up behind bars. You know, there's got to be a why. We always want we always have a reason, like you said earlier, we always have a reason to try to figure out what's the worst thing that can happen because we want to prepare ourselves for the shock and awe of failure. But what is the why to make an effort to stop that from happening? Some people have kids. Some people do what they do for the sake of their kids, but they can't figure out how to start the process because of their own internal limitation. So maybe an event like this kickstarts that internal self-confidence. Okay, so now maybe okay, I've seen somebody do it. It's no longer this fantastic idea. It's something that I've seen accomplished. But is that enough reason for you to actually try it yourself? So we, we've, got the, we've got the observation or we've got the evidence of potential. Now let's find the motive of effort. And that's a, that's a step in the process. And I think that's one of those steps that a lot of people don't take. They'll, they'll, they'll you know, cheer you on all day for doing it. They'll support you in any way they can. I'll come to your event, sure. Okay, but I don't want you to just show up. You're here because you see me doing something that you want to do in yourself. So go do it. I want you to come so you can figure out how to do it. Don't just come and watch the movie. 
You know what I mean? So I, I think that is one of the the major motivations of me getting involved with it. I don't know what women are dealing with. You know what I mean? It would make no sense for me to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to help all the baby mamas in the world. I sold paint. You know what I mean? This, this ain't <laughs> my field. But there are people like you guys that are well-versed in some of these limitations that can contribute to that effort, that can help me identify programming, educational programming, support programming, that'll help those individuals get the motivation they need to save themselves and their children from being a part of the same cycle that we've seen all this time. So I think that's a big part of it. You know, let's, let's get to the root of the problem and start at the base of that process, you know, deal with the birth piece to help the baby survive and, and come out stronger and healthier. Let's fix the individual before they have the baby so they can reduce some of these stressors. That creates a stronger home. Now, how do we get from home to home? How do we get that individual outside of an event like yours to participate with their next door neighbor, even if that neighbor isn't literally next door? How do you get past that barrier? You may or may not. Like, <laughs> that, that's the reality because it is about, it's the individual first. Mm-hmm. Like, Albert Einstein has a quote that says, like, we cannot you know, solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. And we have the tendency to try to do that. And that's why we never, ever solve anything. You know, honestly, it doesn't matter how much money they pour into this. You know, the United Way some years ago had did this 10-year eradication of poverty um, pledge, it was like $10 billion or something, right? And at the end of this 10 years, the report that came back was basically that it was more poverty at the end of the 10 years than it was when it started 10 years prior to. Wow. Right? And so it speaks to the fact that we keep trying to solve these problems doing the same thing and we know that that's insanity right mm-hmm. we all say like you know you're doing the same thing over and over that's insanity Expecting a we all life. insane because it keeps going down that path because we are focusing on we are very reactive mm-hmm. and not very proactive you know even the analogy that they use a lot in these circles around going upstream and you know trying to pull people before they even get into the water and it's like again this is a very individual problem that we are dealing with within our society people are extremely disconnected from themselves society has told them how to live think breathe and be right Absolutely. and so because of that they're not even walking in their purpose they're not walking in who they really truly are so they're out here pretending to be what society has said for them to be and that's how they end up getting in trouble or doing this thing because they're not even being who they are they are authentically you know so then it's really centered around well how where can people go to find themselves (laughs) you know how do you get back to finding Yourself, And that means spending a lot of time by yourself. You know, that that means being able to get through to some of these what I refer to 4D practices, you know, like Reiki, like yoga, 
like meditation, like crystals, all of these things that are intangible, but tangible, but it connects you from where you sit physically to your highest consciousness. Like that's, that's where you solve that problem at on the highest consciousness level, the dynamic thought, how we are and who we think of ourselves, what we think we become. So if you, you know, think of yourself as a dirt bag, because that's what society has told you your whole life, then that's what you'll be. You know, you have to be careful about what you even call your kids. You know, these nicknames and stuff. This one show I watched, they call a kid Monster. He 14 years old. Then they caught him vaping in the in the stall. And I was like, why y'all still calling this boy Monster? You know what I mean? Because we don't understand that words have power. And they do. So we have to be mindful of the narrative that we speak about ourselves because we don't speak nicely about ourselves. If sure you don't. really think about it, even time when somebody give us a compliment, we'll we'll back out of that compliment like, oh, girl, this old or this is, right. you know, whatever it is. We don't speak kindly about ourselves. And we are so conditioned to do so that it is second nature to us. We don't even think about it. And so could you imagine then what you might say to others un- unconsciously? You know, now I'm curious. When you say us, are you talking women in general, or are you talking culturally? No, I'm speaking? talking people, yeah. humanity, yeah, humankind. I, everybody. I was to add to that. You know, <laughs> that's not a woman thing. No, that's a human thing. Yeah, I see plenty of men out here doing the same thing. It's like you know that they they see themselves complimenting somebody else. But what they're actually doing is putting themselves down. Like, damn man, that's a nice car. I wish I had a car like that. I want to I want to address the question regarding home to home. Mm-hmm. You know, I I believe I'm from the mindset that there are people that are waiting for someone to come and save them. Mm-hmm. You know, and the minute that you are able to um, muster up enough courage to reach out to them, they'll find themselves saying that, "Oh, I've been waiting for somebody mm-hmm. to put put this together." Then my question internally is, well, then why didn't you do it? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you do it? Why are we always looking for somebody to come lead us? Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand that. But if I got to be the one to do it, then okay. Right. You know, but mind. hopefully, you know, I'm going to look to you, right? And the person around me, you, you uh, and gleaned from their leadership. Sure. So now that maybe I don't have to wait next time. Right. right, for somebody to come and step in and say. So I do. I think it is. Now, not, not everybody is going to receive the message. Sure. Not everybody is going to, you know, take us up on our invitation. And it's just like marketing, right? You send out 500 invitations, maybe 10 people show yeah. up, you right. know. So yeah, that's, she, the, that's she, the scary she, part. Yeah. But now I got 10 more people. Yeah, and, and I think that plays into what you literally just said. I was about to say, which is it only takes one, one motivation. You know what I mean? Think about how many people got into the rap game because Tupac started talking in a different context. You know, who he became is a different story, but he came out of the gate saying, let me express myself to you. You know, I heard, um, who was it? It was one of the old school rappers. They were talking about, Tupac and he was basically saying you know what Tupac did different was he told you how he felt it wasn't about his lyrics or his style or anything everybody else was talking about the streets and how they can relate and how they can get by or get over he just told you how he felt and nobody else was doing that so that's what 
captivated a lot of people. How he felt about struggles, how he felt about the police, how he felt about being black, how he felt about being raised in the ghetto. This is what this feels like. This is what it feels like to have a single mother. Dear mom, if you think about it, it's really just a, a, a homage to the single mother. Like, I feel what you're dealing with. I've watched you do it. He's talking about his mama, but he's talking to all mothers. But it, it just took that one guy, that one person to say, all right, I'll express myself. Everybody else talking about what they think they are, what they want you to think they are. But I'm going to tell you who I am. And that started a whole new trend in the in that industry. And I think in the same sense, when it comes to contributions and community, it just takes one person to really start the process. So if you if you send out 500 invitations and 10 people come in. You know, hopefully they're from 10 different neighborhoods and hopefully eight of them will get the message and hopefully five of them will do something about it. You know what I mean? I don't care if it was 500 invitations. If we got five people that get it, that take it and that run with it and that carry that message forward, just like you're doing, Alicia, you're the one you might be the only person to try and repeat what you saw that day. But you're going to expose that now to however many dozens or hundreds of people show up. And that's another opportunity to pass it forward. We got to speed up that process as a society, because I think all of the negative influences are moving at twice the speed we are. So how do we get ahead of them? How do we operate in a way that more people are listening to us than listening to them? You know, and the them is not, it's not a class. It's not a race. It's not even an economical group. It's a mindset. There are those of us that want to do it, and there's those of us that don't care to even make an effort. How do we outnumber them? I think it's changing now, uh, specifically because of the pandemic, because I think yeah. that the pandemic forced people to have to slow down. Mm. You know, I mean, we spent a considerable amount of time in lockdown, um, you had to deal with your children. Reflection, <laughs> <at home>. right? <laughs> they were homeschooled, you know, and you had to do work from home wherever you were. So it's like it was a lot of people who reconsidered their position in society. It's a lot of people who ended up quitting their jobs during mm -hmm. the pandemic and was just like, you know what, I'm going to just figure it out and, it, right. you know, go into this direction of entrepreneurship. It's a lot of people who decided to maybe pull their kids out of school and just do homeschooling themselves, you know. And so because our society is always in this work hard, grind mode, got to do this and, you know, make this money. But we know that the harder you work does not bring you in more money, sure. not necessarily, right? I can tell you that for a <laughs> And so, again, we have to change the way that we think about these things. And I think that people are starting to turn that corner a bit maybe they don't of course have it all figured out because none of us have it all have it all figured out in fact the older you get or more mature you become you realize the more you you thought you know the more you realize i actually don't know that much at all right <laughs> so life becomes your classroom and so you just are taking it in strides but it's only really when we get to these vulnerable moments or when like if you get sick 
you know, and it's like a point a point of time within your sickness and you just be you surrender. You just like, oh, Lord, take me now. Is it over? All right. You know, and so it's like it's only till we get to one of them points where we have no choice but to have faith and belief in ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's the only time that we start to kind of look at things differently. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it takes such a drastic thing to happen. But, you know, I read in the news all the time now how like, look. The companies are having a hard time finding employees. People don't want to go back and work Mm -hmm. to nobody. (laughs) You know, Um, the schools were having trouble with the kids being um, online. And we know that the school system is not in alignment with the best for the students. We Mm -hmm. were just talking about that. Right. So at the time, so then the kids was like, I'm not getting on that laptop to talk to them people through that (laughs) computer screen. And so those are the type of things where it's kind of it's, it's forcing us. The pandemic had to come to force society to look at itself. And it's people that's fighting it. Don't they ain't fighting that change? Like, no, this is how it is. We're going to get it back to normal. Right. What's normal? Yeah. There's no more of that. That's right. over with. <laughs> I think normal is a sign of the current, not a repeat of the past or an expectation of the future. You know, this is the normal. Right. This is the new normal. You know, a volcano erupted in the Pacific Ocean a couple of days ago. You know, Tonga is covered in ash. Their air quality has probably changed for 50 years. Their water quality probably will take another 10, 15, 20 to go back to quote unquote normal. So yeah. this is the new normal. And you it's know, a quote. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't want to interject. Right when you said that, it's a quote that says, um, was normal to the spider is chaos to the fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's true. It's the, it's the perspective on what we deem as normal. Right. But we know that our society has been working, hasn't been working. So. Right. And, and you touched on the most important part of adaptation, which is adjusting. You have to adjust to the changes that happen either inorganically or by force. You know, the development of a baby, that's an organic change. That's something that you can't control, right? Whatever happens on the inside is going to happen to that baby. You can control the environment in which it happens by what you eat and drink and how you feel and how you think. But once it comes out, outside of relocating and trying to put your baby in this bubble, when you send them off to school... That's their environment. You know, there's only so much control you can have. So instead of trying to shelter people from the things that our normal reminds us of, even though our normal is a past, let's just embolden them and strengthen them to be prepared for the environment that they're supposed to want to be a part of, Not not the one that they're told they're going to be a part of. So to your point, even once the the mother has the baby, Now, it's her job to create that same positive outlook, same positive mindset that you just went through this process of nurturing her to as a doula or as a counselor or whatever. Okay, you got to pay that forward to your kid because otherwise you're going to start a cycle all over again. I want to interject and say it's not just mom that's responsible, you know, in other countries. You know, for 40 days, a mother doesn't really have to lift a finger after Mm. she gives birth to a child. Aunts are coming in, you know, grandma's coming in, and there's a community surrounding this family. Mm. And Within that family. Right, within that family. 
But to your point, right, we have to, everyone has to lend a helping hand so that we understand that we're not alone, right? So mom is not just responsible for that child. Dad's responsible in the entire family. We need to get back to some basic understanding of how we even think about rearing children Hmm. and um, the gift that children bring to our families and our societies and our communities because this is why mom is under so much stress because she's carrying the load of everything. Right. So I just want to say whispered it. I don't know why she's whispering, but I'm glad you said it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, again, I I know we've been talking for a bit. I don't want to belabor anybody. It's kind of late at night and we were a little late getting started. I really do appreciate you guys coming in. Um, the, The underlying point of this episode was to not only remind people that there are elements within our community that are trying to help them improve themselves. And I think that when we look at our community as we understand it, there's a lot of single-parent households, single mother and single father, obviously predominantly or more commonly single mother households. There's a lot more struggles within the mother community as single parents than there are in the father's community as single parents. But there's a lot more struggles that I've seen personally in the father's community as absent parents, either of their own doing or not, because they are restricted into this prison community. And that's that's a stressor that they're dealing with in that space that creates a whole nother list of problems that we can't get into today. But that is something that is significantly more potent than we recognize. So that's why Links Not Chains being different is that we have resources within the prison system, programs, AV, facilitated within the prison system that we can use to link both sides of this relationship. Hey, look, I know what you're dealing with as a single mother. You know, we, we've dealt with that. In some cases, we know the programming, we know the things, the resources that are necessary to make life a little easier for you. And at the same time, we can create a direct pathway back into the prison system to reassure the father in your life that, hey, your girl's not alone. We helping her. We got her covered to the best of our ability. But what we need to do for you is make sure you don't end up back in here. So let's change your mindset. First, reduce the stress. Let's let's help you not worry about her. And now let's change that frustration. You're mad at the world because you got arrested for something you shouldn't have done or something you actually didn't do. And that's not something you can do anything about now. You're in this space now. But don't let that change who you are, because hopefully you will get out. And once you do get out, they're going to be expecting you to be as motivated as possible to continue contributing to the household. So we're going to keep you connected to them. We're going to keep you in a safer state of mind so that we can keep this process going. That's what Links Not Chains is meant to represent in that community. And then for other communities, there's other needs, other resources, other weaknesses. And we're trying to do that as well. And I appreciate you guys for helping. Um, Before we go, is there anything anybody want to uh, add, state, any socials they want to put out there? So... Folks can know where to find you, or do they just come to Links Not Chains? Well, on social, I 
<laughs> my ads are all I am Kristen Kane. Um, and yes, C H R I S T I N K A N E. I am Kristen Kane. And I just wanted to add one tidbit to what you just said to say that we all have the responsibility and accountability to make a decision on what we want to do with our lives. Absolutely. Like it's an individual process. Mm. Well, my baby was like eight months old and I was in college, almost about to graduate. I was like broke. I didn't have a job, nothing. Right. My son's father and I, we did live together, but I was really struggling. And this was like right after I got out of school and I had made, I remember one morning I woke up one morning and I was like, I will never be broke again. Cause I couldn't buy my son diapers mm. and I was like, I will never be in this position ever again. I made a decision at that moment and I never looked back from there, you mm. know? So it's a responsibility that each person has to have to say, to make a decision, make a decision. That's it. my mm. advice. Make a decision. Make a decision. I love it. Anybody else want to make a decision? Yeah, let's get uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, let's like you always say that is true, very true, Arthur. You know, we have to get uncomfortable in order to grow. You know, I have some really hefty dreams and goals. You know, and uh, it's going to take a great deal of sacrifice in order to accomplish them. But I'm here for it. You know, yeah. I've come much farther than I have to go. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Only only author can take open up a subject with birth, a baby, and somehow lead it to Tupac. I don't know how he did that. But it it was so smooth and eloquent. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's I the beauty that. of birth. Birth leads to birth. all paths. Birth leads to Tupac. Yeah. Tupac could lead to birth. He yeah. His name song. does mean peace. It does. So maybe that's what Bring we're here for, bringing you some know. peace yes. to these babies. Yes. There you go. Uh, any social media you want to make available or you uh, or just links not changed? Links not changed, please. My go. social media is for me to be social. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I foresee a much bigger footprint of uh, presence for Shalana Davis within links not changed. I'm working on that pretty hard because I know what you're capable. I know what all you guys are capable of. Um, and I really I look forward to your participation and what we're trying to do, because I think some of the programming, some of the efforts, you guys are already involved in it, engaged in it. You know how to make it work. You know how to get the audience there. And that makes my life a lot easier to not have to try to figure it out because I'd be lost. How about you, Miss Alicia Reynolds? Um, well, coachescenter at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And... You got a website. Yes. Um, yes. Coachescenter.org. Dot dot org. There you go. And uh, 216-799-1397. If you would like to donate or call or want to be a part of Coaches. There you go. And the event is February 5th from 12 to 3 at First Place Center Events on Broadway and Maple Heights. Awesome. And, Kristen, you said you had an event coming up as well. Yeah, um, we have a virtual event on February 10th, um, and it's at 630. It'll be live on Facebook. Okay. Um, 
so that topic is what's the best that can happen. Absolutely. Um, and you can find me at I am Kristen Kane on social media, and my website is kristenkane dot com. Awesome. Well, thank you, ladies, again. I um I want to make sure that folks recognize that you know coaches is a um, a part of Links Not Chains, as Alicia said. Um, any resources made available to Links Not Chains will be utilized for the sake of coaches and vice versa. Um, there's a partnership here that's a little bigger than either of us as individuals uh, because our mission is bigger than all of us, even collectively speaking. So, again, ladies, I absolutely appreciate each and every one of your contributions to this show today. This is AG's Convos. And we out. AG's Convos, we gon' show you how the world goes. AG's Convos, we gon' show you how the world goes.